Our second scripture reading this morning is Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and verses 22 through 28. At that time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, a hot wind comes from me out of the bare heights in the desert toward the daughter of my people not to widow or cleanse, a wind too strong for that. Now it is that I who speak in judgment against them. God says, for my people are foolish. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil but do not know how to do good. I looked on the earth and see that it was complete chaos and to the heavens and they had no light. I looked on the mountains and see that they are quaking and all the hills moving to and fro. I looked and see that there was no one at all and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked and see that the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins, ruins before God, before God's fierce anger. For thus says God, the whole land shall be a desolation, that I will not make a full end. Because of this, the earth shall mourn and the heavens above grow black, for I have spoken. I have purposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word Christ among us. Thanks Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God of love, God of grace, we have come back to sit with another ouch. Have mercy on us as we encounter the truth of creation and you tell us, ouch. God, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and make them beat with your love. Amen. The creators of the lectionary have taken us from Jeremiah 18 and the potter's house to Jeremiah 4, and whatever it is that Ralph just read. I've tried to wrestle this week with why the reversal of order, and I wonder if it might have been for us to first remember how graceful God can be with us before turning up the notch just a little bit with today's vicious vision from Jeremiah. If we saw God frustrated with God's people last week, today's text shows God straight up mad 
Judah and Jerusalem have continued their worship of other gods and their mistreatment of others. And so Jeremiah sees God send a wind, an up-to-no-good wind that is going to show God's people the judgment of God. This is not a wind to gently touch or make the grains in the field dance or even to cleanse, God says. This wind will be the most intense wind that is bringing my wrath and my judgment. If there were dragons in the Bible, I could totally see God in this text of God being a dragon. Like, this is some hot, hot breath coming out of the dragon's mouth, and Judah and Jerusalem are like dead center in the dragon's breath path. It is going to hurt. It is going to hurt. Because it's not just coming for Jerusalem and Judah. It is coming for all of creation. What I'm about to do, what God is about to do, and I've clearly made up my mind about this and will not be relenting, says God, is because of the actions of my people. I am so upset with you that all of creation is about to say, ouch. God decides that all of this ouch will be the cause of God's uncreation. The neglect of God's people is going to be felt by all the cosmos and will be the undoing of all that God has created. That is how God is, that is how mad God is right now. So creation says ouch. Creation says ouch and then moves into chaos. There is no light in the sky. The mountains are quaking. The hills moving back and forth. There are no birds. There are no fish. There is no one. All the vegetation turned to dust. Civilization is in complete ruins. All before God and before God's fierce anger. Every atom of God's creation will feel God's anger and God's wrath and God's justice and God's righteousness. Y'all, I really don't like sitting with this image of God. I would rather kind of just sit with the creation story image of God. Thank you very much. Like, if we could just maybe go back to that and, and, and maybe skip this text... I think my week would have been a whole, whole, whole lot easier. I'm trying to hear God and creation say, ouch, and yet I am hurt myself because this description of God does not match up with the description of God we just encountered in our creation story. If anything, it's the exact opposite. Why is God undoing all the work God originally deemed as good and very good? Why is God not willing to change God's mind about desolating the whole earth? And as a member of a community moving into peak fire season, why does God almost seem spiteful in God's sending of this wind of destruction? Ouch. 
In trying to explore those questions this week, I'm aware that the second half of our scripture is written as poetry, as prophetic literature often does in its description of dialogue with the divine. After trying to brush off being called senseless and evil, I noticed how the prophet described God's act of uncreation through this use of poetry, particularly in verses 23 through 26. These four verses describe the undoing of creation, and it should immediately recall for us the creation story. Starting in verse 23, we see the complete chaos, the Hebrew being tohu vabohu, which we only see one other time in Scripture, Genesis 1-2, where we often translate it as a formless void. The prophet is calling us to watch what happens when God takes away the light. Further parallels and contrasts appear in Jeremiah 4, 23-26. These verses imitate the repetitive and rhythmic style of Genesis 1, while simultaneously echoing its theologically rich use of the verb to see. In Genesis 1, God creates, God speaks, and God sees. Six times, God saw what God ordered, created, and brought forth that it was good. When God's work of creation was complete, God saw all that God made and see it is very good. Amphia Portier Young writes, seeing enables God to assess the state of creation. In Jeremiah 4, 23 through 26, each verse has a shared structural pattern. The prophet reports, I looked, and then interjects, and see, inviting the reader to behold and assess the world as the prophet now sees it. Last week, we discussed how hard it can be for us to sit with an ouch. In our text today, The prophet asks us to look at and sit with the harm we cause. To look at and sit with the destruction we are causing. And if we think we're done, to look at and sit with the pain we continue to cause. And when the prophet thinks God's people are done, we are asked once again to look at and sit with it all one more time. In Jeremiah's fourfold repetition of the verb, I looked, followed up with, and see that, the passage challenges preacher and congregation alike to see what we do not wish to see. We are challenged to behold the evil we wreak and to see the desolation of our mountains, our skies, our wildlife, our once green spaces, our cities, and our human beings. If we have difficulty imagining that something is wrong, Jeremiah asks us to look again, more closely and more critically. We are called to sit in heaven's darkness and hear the weeping of the earth. 
I really wish that I could tell you all of this and not really kind of consider myself as someone involved in this invitation or invited into this work to sit and then really sit. But in a tradition some might call a testimony, I've got a few ouches I'll share with you. First, I have to confess to you all that I am not technically finished with my master's. Because I broke my finger and had surgery in the midst of finals, I took advantage of my incomplete status and have managed to keep finishing a few papers for a few months now. If I continue to avoid finishing up this work, I am never going to be able to fully invest in the work ahead of me. Not sitting with and doing this work has absolutely festered, and if I don't finish these papers, I will not be able to continue in a vocation that I am called in and love so much. We have to sit with the things we do not wish to see. A second ouch. Because of how I identify within the queer community, I have been aware of how monkeypox, or MPOX, as medical experts are now referring to it, has affected my community. And I have opted in for the MPOX vaccine. I got my second dose about a month ago, and it's left this red spot. It's still there. And I'm not going to lie, it kind of feels like a scarlet letter sometimes. I spent this summer learning more about the AIDS crisis, and I've been quite concerned with how we've been so slow to respond to yet another epidemic impacting part of my community. And it is so nice that I can share that with this community. But the reality of having this conversation with folks back home, especially church folk back home, has proved challenging and has caused an ouch or two. Even here, I've heard it referred to as the monkey disease. Ouch. We have to sit with the things we do not wish to see. One last ouch, and it's already kind of been mentioned. It is so incredible to see the beauty of the rain falling upon us this morning. But it has been all too easy to imagine the world's uncreation with winds and fire. Seeing creation groan in agony in this text is not something we can idly sit with. This congregation is particularly aware of the ways in which we inch ever so closely towards climate catastrophe. We have to sit with the things we do not wish to see. Whether it be for us as individuals, as communities, as nations, or as humanity, if we are willing to forsake our stubborn foolishness, we might comprehend 
how we have portrayed our divine commission to be custodians of God's creation and humbly ask God and one another how to do good in the sight of God. Now, while we'll come back to Jeremiah 8 next week as we discuss how we say ouch, it's helpful for us to fast forward to later in Jeremiah to see what happens after we take up this invitation to look and see. In Jeremiah 31, God tells the prophet that the days are coming when God will make a new covenant with God's people, a covenant of the heart. And no longer will God's people see because they will know God. And God will forgive and will remember their sins no more. Verse 35 says, The one who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, the one who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord God Almighty is God's name. I am making a new covenant with my schoolwork. My school friends are aware. Now my church friends are aware. <laughs> I've reached out to help with, uh, for, I've reached out for help to the school, and Reverend Ruth T. West, a good friend of this congregation, will be advising me weekly on finishing up my papers so that I can finish and be done with my MDiv. I'm continuing to make a new covenant with my queer and Christian identity. When I get lost in the what-ifs and the fears start creeping in, I am reminded of the incredible example that I have in our pastor, Reverend Scott, as he proudly leads us with all of who he is. We are working to make a new covenant with God and creation, one that addresses the harm that we've caused to our planet while refusing to leave hope behind for the sake of those of us sitting in our reserved pew today. Yes, these covenants will take time. They will take work. They will take community. But through them, may we continue to look and see these new things and how they might not just be good, but maybe even just very good. May it be so for you and for me.